Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know there's not going to be a Hillbilly Youngins episode this week. A couple different reasons, uh, one of which Kristen had a little accident at work. And then uh, at the same time, Dakota's been spending some time at her father's house instead of with Kristen. So uh, it may be uh, next week before we get an episode of Hillbilly Youngins. With that being said, I wanted to go ahead and play you a little something that I did uh, about a year ago. I know that you guys love the rock and roll uh, in the occult, anyway, uh, episodes. This one's not a cult, but it does involve some suicide and does some rock and roll. I toyed with maybe doing a separate podcast, like I said, about a year ago. And uh, it was called, we're going to be called Musical Misfortunes, where we just covered a band that uh, had a tragic story. And I did one, which was uh, on Badfinger. And I put it out on Patreon. That's as far as it went. Uh, but I had a lot of feedback. And since we had uh, missing episode this week. I thought it'd be cool maybe to put it out and see what you guys think. Is this something we should maybe do in the future? Uh, some more episodes of, of different bands because trust me, I've got at least five or six right off the bat we could do. Uh, but anyways, I thought I would play this for you guys and let you see what you think. And at least it'll be up here until somebody discovers it's got the copyrighted music and yanks it down. So you might want to listen to it while you can. Anyway, this is... Uh, Episode one, uh, the actual only episode of Musical Misfortunes, Badfinger. They were supposed to be the next big thing in music. They were the first band that the Beatles signed to their newly formed Apple Records, and Paul McCartney even wrote their first hit, Come and Get It. Unfortunately, their story would be one of the most tragic in rock and roll. Join us tonight for this edition of Musical Misfortunes, the story of Badfinger. Badfinger could have been huge. Unfortunately for them, the manager that they hired was as crooked as they come, and the consequences would be devastating. As we said before, the story of Badfinger is one of the most tragic stories in rock and roll. Everything that could have went wrong did twice. Paul McCartney had taken them completely under his wing and even given them their first hit, Come and Get It. Yeah. 
Height of their career, lead singer and songwriter Pete Ham even got to sing Here Comes the Sun with George Harrison in Madison Square Garden. It doesn't get much better than that. They had a string of hits in the early 70s that included the songs that you've already heard and also included Baby Blue and Day After Day. The four songs that you've heard so far were as big as any hits in the early 70s, and they all belonged to Badfinger. They weren't just writing hits for themselves, though. They also had a song called Without You that you may not have heard from Badfinger, but you're probably way more familiar with the iconic versions by Harry Nilsson and Mariah Carey. Here's a snippet from Harry Nilsson's version. So now that you're familiar with some of the songs that Badfinger sang and wrote, let's go back to the root of the problem, manager Stan Poley. Badfinger started out as a band named the Ivies in 1961, and they changed their name to Badfinger before the release of Come and Get It. It sold a million copies. It reached all the way to number five in the Great Britain charts and number seven in the U.S. charts. 1970. Later that year, they signed Stan Poley as manager. Here's the problem. Stan signed the band to a bunch of different contracts that put the money from all of the touring, all of the record proceeds, and even songwriting royalties into accounts that were holding companies that he oversaw. This led to the band being severely underpaid for the level of stardom that they had reached at this point. This would eventually lead to rifts between the band members. We skip ahead to where Badfingers were actually working on their fourth album for Apple Records. 
Poli was working on a deal with Warner Brother Records for a new album every six months for the next three years, unbeknownst to the band. Think about that. Six albums in three years. The Beatles used to do that in the early days, but that's the Beatles. Not many people can crank out that kind of music at that kind of velocity. This is where things start to get ugly. So by this time, there was some major concern from the band about their money and Pulley's overseeing of it. But they signed with Warner Brothers anyway. They started recording their very first album with Warner Brothers just six weeks after finishing their last record with Apple. By the end of 1974, Warner Brothers had filed a lawsuit against the band and their manager, Stan Poley. This was a shock to the band. The lawsuit was for funds that could not be accounted for. You see, it turns out that Poley was supposed to put $250,000 in a mutually accessible account, which the band and Warner Publishing could access anytime they wanted to. Poley didn't reveal the whereabouts of the account to Warner Brothers, and he ignored all of their legal letters. had been threatening to sue for several weeks, but the band had absolutely no clue. So next, Poli has the band pass up a U.S. tour that would have netted them several thousands of dollars to record the third album for Warner Brothers. Poli was hoping to get one more advance for an album before litigation started, but Warner Brothers rejected the album because they had already filed the lawsuit. This caused the next major blow to the band. Because they didn't accept the album, they also refused to pay for the session. That meant that the band had to foot the bill for all of the recording sessions when they already didn't have money anyway on an album that was not going to be accepted by the publishing company. Warner Brothers also stopped promoting the album Wish You Were Here that had just been released seven weeks earlier. They stopped distribution worldwide, which completely halted the band's career. Warner Brothers filed a suit against Stan Poli that lasted four years. Poli eventually had to pay a large sum back to Warner Publishing, but this did not help the band in any way, shape, or form because they were kind of stuck on hiatus while all this was going on. With their last album pulled from the shelf and the very newest one rejected, Finger spent the early parts of 1975 trying to figure out how to proceed under the unclear legal situation they were now in. They had no access to their money and they were no longer getting salaries. Panic was obviously starting to set in, especially for lead singer and guitarist Pete Hamm. He had just bought a house and his girlfriend was pregnant and expecting at any point in time. They figured, okay, we can start a tour and make some quick money that way. They called several different managers and booking agents all around the Great Britain when they ran into their next major hurdle. Nobody would touch them because of the pending litigation and their very restrictive contract with Stan Pulley. Even though all the litigation was going on, his contract was still binding. Pete Ham tried on several different occasions to contact Stan Pulley, but Pulley would not return any of his phone calls. On April 23, 1975, things reached a climax. Pete got a call from the United States. He was told that all of his money was gone. Pete called Tom Evans, who was the bassist for Badfinger. They went to the bar. They discussed the situation and drank quite a bit. Evans drove Ham home and dropped him off around 3 a.m. Shortly after, Pete Ham hung himself in his garage. He left a suicide note that was addressed to his girlfriend Ann and her son Blair. 
It said, Anne, I love you. Blair, I love you. I will not be allowed to love and trust everybody. This is better. P.S. Stan Poley is a soulless bastard, and I will take him with me. Love, Pete. Pete Ham was 27 years old and a lesser-known member of the 27 Club. His daughter was born one month after his suicide. After Pete's suicide, the band went their separate ways. Two years later, in 1977, Joey Molin, guitarist from Badfinger, formed another band and he asked bassist Tom Evans to join him. The current label that signed them talked them into keeping the name Badfinger. So they put out two albums with the name Badfinger from 1979 to 1981. Evans and Mullen couldn't get along though, so they split up and then they both formed separate bands, both named Badfinger. On November 18th, 1983, Evans and Mullen got into a heated argument on the phone about some songwriting royalties and some income that were still in escrow from the Apple years. Now, part of this involved some songwriting royalties from Without You, which we talked about earlier, being a big hit for some other people. And this was before the Mariah Carey version, obviously, but Harry Nilsson's was released in 1972, and it was a huge hit. Evans was now receiving royalties from that, but Mulland and the other members weren't, and they wanted to be a part of it. Following this argument, Tom Evans went to his backyard and hung himself. Joey Mullen still tours under the name of Badfinger to this day. The city of Swansea just recently unveiled a blue plaque to honor Pete Ham as one of the region's finest musical talents. And that's well-deserved. In 2013, the band had a little bit of a resurgence when Baby Blue, which you heard earlier, made it to number 14 in the charts after it was featured in the series finale of Breaking Bad. As you can see, this story is as tragic as they come, with a lot of bad luck and some bad decisions along the way. Usually these stories are compelled to happen because of drugs or some kind of crazy rock and roll lifestyle. But in this case, that was not the situation at all. A band that could have been as big as any band ever is now left as just a footnote in rock and roll history. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Musical Misfortunes. And your face when you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile but in your eyes your sorrow shows Yes it shows Well I can't forget tomorrow when I think of all my sorrow I had you there Then I let you go And now it's only fair That I should let you know What you should know I can't live 
this evening And your face when you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile But in your eyes your sorrow shows Yes, it shows 